1: Adonijah violates basic principles of scriptures when we exalt ourselves without God's help. Psalm 75, verses 6 and 7, says this For exaltation comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts the other.
0: God exalts. Are you one of those people who serve silently in the background? You're happy to do it, of course, because you know who you're serving and what you're called to do. But you still might feel that twinge of jealousy as the person on stage gets recognized again. Pastor Dave says to give it to the Lord. He exalts. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Kings chapter 1 as he begins his message. Watch out for the pride of life.
1: First Kings, sandwiched in between 2 Samuel and 2 Kings, is the book of 1 Kings. So if you will open your books there. I'm going to read the first 11 verses because that's all I could get through today. Chapter 1 goes to 53 verses, but there's a lot of things we need to talk about. So I'm going to read these first 11 verses and then we'll go back and look at them. First Kings chapter 1 verse 1. Now King David was old, advanced in years, and they put covers on him, but he could not keep warm. Therefore his servants said to him, Let a young woman, a virgin, be sought for our Lord the king, and let her stand before the king, and let her care for him, and let her lie in your bosom, and that our Lord the king may be warm. So they sought for a lovely young woman throughout all the territory of Israel, and found Habishag the Shunammite. And brought her to the king. The young one was very lovely. And she cared for the king and served him. But he did not know her. Then Ajaniah, the king, uh, the, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father had not rebuked him at any time, saying, why have you done so? And he was very good looking. His mother had borne him after Absalom. Then he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruah, and Abathar, the priest, and they followed and helped Adonijah. But Zadok the priest, Benaiah, the son of Jedohiah, Nathan, the prophet, Shammai, Reah, and the mighty men who belonged to David were not with Adonijah. And Adonijah, Adonijah, I don't know why I keep saying that, Adonijah, sacrificed sheep and oxen and fatted cattle by the stone of Zoloth. Which is by N. Rogel. He also invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants. But he did not invite Nathan the prophet, Beniah the mighty man, or Solomon his brother. So, the books of First and Second Samuel, the books of First and Second Kings, and the books of First and Second Chronicle are basically history books. They're history books. They follow the history of the nation Israel by following the reign of the nation's kings. All the kings of Israel and Judah are in 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, and 1st and 2nd Chronicles. We know because we just came through 1st and 2nd Samuel that that covers the time from Samuel the prophet and all through the reign of David. And as we get into the book of Kings, we're going to continue with that story of the history of Israel and Judah after David passes from the scene. First and second Kings, if you would want to know, were actually one scroll. They were actually one scroll. And when the Bible was translated in Greek into what we have as the Septuagint, they divided it into two books, first and 2 Kings. So it came out as one scrolls. It deals with the Israel and Judah, the kings that reigned in the north, and the kings that reigned in the south. Very, very interesting book indeed that we're going to study. The author of 1 and 2 Kings is not known, but we know from Scripture, specifically 2 Timothy 3.16, that all Scripture was inspired by God. We know that God is the author of Scripture, and He, through His Holy Spirit, inspired men to pen this. It's believed that the author, by the Holy Spirit, was Jeremiah the prophet. That's what is generally the consensus, and that's what Jewish tradition says. It was Jeremiah the prophet that wrote these studies. But the first kings that we're going to start looking at tonight is a study on the effects of pride. 1 Kings is a study on the effects of pride. And the main theme and the main idea that runs throughout the book is basically, watch out for the pride of life. That's the main theme that I see. And it's interesting that it was Solomon who wrote in Proverbs sixteen eighteen, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And although it is clear that Solomon had a very good understanding of the tragic consequences of pride, unfortunately... He allowed it to run unchecked through his entire life. And eventually, as one commentator put it, his life was shipwrecked because of it. God is opposed to the proud. We know that from James 4.6 and 1 Peter 5, five. The proud man or the woman is basically an abomination to God. It says in Proverbs 16.5. With God so set against the proud, no wonder that pride goes before destruction. One of the many ways that pride is evident is our lives is a haughty spirit. What is a haughty spirit? It's an attitude where I think I'm better than you. I might think I'm more spiritual than you are. That's a haughty spirit. I think I might exercise my gifts better than you. And I might look down upon you because you might not have a gift. That's a haughty spirit. That's a haughty spirit. It's an attitude that communicates like superiority over other people. Those who think themselves higher than God. And when we get in that position, that's prideful. And destruction usually happens because we have to face the judgment of God. We have to face his judgment. So as we move into this book of First Kings, the nation of Israel was on a spiritual high. Why do I say this? David had defeated all of his enemies. All of the enemies of Israel's have been put to rest. He even defeated the, the rebellion of his son Absalom and all the people that were involved in that. David had put the rest, the entire thing. And remember, what was the key word for 2 Samuel? What was it all about? Restoration. God had restored the kingdom to one kingdom. God had restored Israel to one kingdom. He'd restored Israel to one king, David. Remember, Absalom tried to usurp his father and become king. God had taken care of this whole thing, and now there was one king, there was one Israel, and they had come back to one God. The restoration was complete. So you can see that Israel was on a spiritual high. Everything was cool, everything was groovy, baby. Just wanted to see if you were listening. I don't know what you're saying. But the kingdom was also in crisis. Crisis was brewing in the kingdom for one simple fact. Their beloved king was dying. King David was on his deathbed. One commentator said this, that when facing a crisis, different people act and respond in different ways. Some are opportunistic, some are faithful. And this is what I see in tonight's study. I see those who are opportunistic, And I see those who are faithful. And that's what we're going to look at. And that's why I couldn't get past these first 11 verses. So let's read verse 1 again. Now, King David was old, advanced in years, and they put covers on him, but he could not get warm. Now, I did some studying on this, and it really bugged me. I have to tell you that this bugged me, because King David at this time was supposed to be 70 years old. (laughs) And I was bugged by this. What do you mean he's old and advanced in years? What do you mean by that? But then I settled down before the Lord, and the Lord showed me that King David led a pretty tough life. He read an extremely, led an extremely hard life. Even as a young boy, being out in the fields with the sheep is not an easy life. It's not an easy life, constantly on guard for predators, fighting predators away, keeping them all together, feeding them, doing the things that a shepherd always does for the sheep. And then at a very young age, he's called out to be the king of Israel at an extremely young. He was in his teens when he was called to be the king of Israel and anointed by Samuel. That's a lot of pressure on a young kid a lot of pressure. And then all the things that happened with Saul, how he went to Saul and and played music for him and sang his songs so Saul could get his mind right and, and get all his headaches taken away. And how Saul came after him all the time. And then all of a sudden he kills Goliath. Kills Goliath. I love that story about him coming up against Goliath and killing Goliath and he became the toast of the town. But then as he was riding through them, Saul, uh, David kills his 10,000s, but Saul only kills his thousands. And all of a sudden, Saul gets upset about that, and the whole thing starts over. And Saul chases David and tries to kill him so many times. Can you imagine living through that? No wonder he was advanced in age at 70. He lived under harsh conditions. He went to caves, and he dwelt in caves. He, he ran away from his home and left everything there. He fought war after war after war. He fought mighty battles. And I'm sure it all took his toll on his body. But there was one thing that took a greater toll. His sin. His sin probably took the biggest toll of all. David sinned many times in his life, as most of us do. But the one thing that we all remember David for is that one transgression with Bathsheba and then murdering her husband to try to cover it up. That's the one thing that stood out. This took a huge toll upon him, not only physically, not only mentally, but most definitely spiritually. This took a huge toll on David spiritually. And we talked at length as we went through 2nd Samuel about the toll that this took on David spiritually and how it basically separated him from God for a while and how God had to give him consequence after consequence but God nurtured him and helped him to come back and helped him to be restored into him. His body was worn out. He suffered the loss of several sons, three that I know of. Three that are mentioned in the Bible. The young baby born to Bathsheba from the adultery. His son Ammon, who Absalom killed. And then Absalom himself was also killed. So he suffered the loss of three sons. His daughter was raped. He had to deal with that tragedy. He had to flee for his life constantly. Several times that we read, once from Saul and once from his own son. He had to flee from his life. He basically was worn out, he was exhausted. He couldn't keep warm. And they come up with this very strange way to keep him warm. It's a very strange, and it's strange to me that they come up with this in this day and age. It's just a strange thing, but let's read 2 to 4. Therefore, his servants said to him, Let a young woman, a virgin, be sought for our Lord the king, and let her stand before the king, and let her care for him, and let her lie in your bosom, that our Lord the king may be warm. So they sought for a lovely young woman throughout all of the territory of Israel, and found Abishag the Shunammite, and brought her to the king. The young woman was very lovely, and she cared for the king and served him, but he did not know her. Now, several things that come to me when I think of this. Number one, it had to be a lovely young woman. It could have, it could have just been a woman. It had to be a lovely young woman. Like, you know, uh, now there, it's weird because as you study this and as you look at this, there is actually some medical advice in the olden days that suggests this. It's just kind of crazy. His servants say, we're going to do this. So they search throughout the land for a lovely young woman who has to be a virgin. But we read that, but the king did not know her. So there was no intimacy between them, praise God. There was no intimacy between them. They didn't have any sexual relations. But most believe that David knew that this was not even right before God. Most people believe, and then the scripture that came to my mind when I read this is, okay, you didn't have relations with her, but she was there, she was in your bed, you slept there together. I'm thinking of 1 Thessalonians 5.22, the original King James Version says, abstain from the appearance of evil. The appearance of evil. Now, to me, this appears pretty evil. Pretty evil, you know? I think I was listening to, I actually was listening to some commentator, it might have even been Chuck Smith, who said, he said, the appearance of evil. He said, I have couples come before me who are living together and they're not married. And they say, well, we're living together, but we're not having sex. And he goes, yeah, sure. That's his answer. But this says that they didn't have relations. I don't know. But you understand, it's the appearance of evil. The appearance of evil goes a long way when people start to talk. People. That's why we counsel here that that one of us should never be alone with a woman other than our wife. There always should be someone else in the room for counseling or for anything like that. There should be someone there. We avoid the appearance of evil. Uh, way back in the day when I was a young Christian, I was doing something and my then pastor's wife needed a ride home. Well, I said, well, I'll take you home. I'm going right past your house. So we were driving home when we got there. Well, don't you know, her husband got a whole bunch of calls that his wife was riding around with some strange guy. I've been called a lot of things, and strange is one of them. But still, you get the point. You get the point of what I'm trying to say. Avoid the appearance of evil. Avoid the appearance of evil. And I see that's happening. Now, now I got to tell you what Gusick says about this. He says, this sounds strange, perhaps even immoral to us, but it was proper to David for allow, to allow. This did not bring a moral cloud over David's last days. It was proper because it was recognized medical treatment in the ancient world. And it was mentioned by the ancient Greek doctor Galen. When Josephus described this in the antiquities of the Jews, he said that this was a medical treatment and he called his servants in 1 Kings 1 two physicians. It was proper because David almost certainly made the young woman his concubine. He almost took her, although the Lord had given them strict, strict, commands about taking wives. But David did that. While it was unwise for David to take more than one wife, it was probably illegal, not illegal at the time. But later, Adonijah would condemn himself to death by asking Habishai to be his wife. His request would not only be so outrageous, only if she was a concubine of David. So there's a lot to it that we look into it and we read. But did this give his son more fuel for the fire? Did he take an opportunity now to take away his father's throne? And one way people react in a crisis is they become opportunistic. People become opportunistic in a crisis. In other words, they take advantage of the situation. People get caught in a bad way or circumstances, and other people look into their lives, and they see an opening, and they take advantage. This happens all the time. Enter David's fourth son, Adonijah. Let's read 5 through 7. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king and he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father had not rebuked him at any time, saying, Why have you done so? He was a very good looking. He was also very good looking. His mother had borne him after Absalom. Then he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruah, and the Abathar the priest, and they followed and helped Adonijah. Interesting. Here comes this young man. They assume he's about 35 years old. He's the brother of of Absalom, the true brother of Absalom, having the same mother. Adonijah means, my Lord is salvation. Adonai, meaning my Lord, and Yah is the abbreviation for Jehovah. So it means, my Lord is Jehovah. What a great name. But sadly, he doesn't live up to this name. Instead, he becomes an opportunist. He becomes an opportunist. Adonijah is David's fourth son, and he's the eldest living son. He's the brother of Absalom having the same mother, as I said. He knew his father was sick, and he knew his father was basically on his deathbed. He knew that Israel would be without a king soon, but sadly, his pride got the better of him in one statement. I will be king. Go back and read Isaiah 14. Go back and read Isaiah fourteen. I think it's Isaiah fourteen. I think it's yeah, it is Isaiah fourteen. The seven I wills of Satan, where he basically says, "I will do this and I will do that and I will ascend to the throne most high. I will become like God." Satan, which got him kicked out of heaven, pride. I will be king. Adonijah exhausts himself to the throne. He made a mistake of thinking his father was incapable of functioning normally, just like Absalom. Adonijah was good-looking and hampered, and he was also pampered. It seems as though David didn't take a lot of time with his kids. He didn't chastise them when they did wrong. He didn't correct them when they did wrong. And this says something about parenting. We allow our kids to do all sorts of things thinking that it's okay for them to do that when, in essence, they're waiting for us to say no. No. They're waiting for guidance, they're waiting for someone to come alongside and say, this has to be this way, this has to be that way. Train up a child the way they should go, and they won't depart from that. But many of us have to be their friends. They don't need a friend, they need a parent. They have all the friends they need, they need a parent. Someone who will tell them right from wrong, someone who will guide them into Christ, someone who will guide them into Jesus' arms. A parent can be a friend, but they need to be a parent first. And sometimes parenting's tough. Sometimes telling your kid no is difficult. It's difficult. And then you cry and scream and yell and holler. That's what you do. The kid's okay, but you cry and scream and yell and holler. We need to t- take time to discipline our children when they need to be disciplined. And David didn't do that. He pampered his son. He pampered Absalom. He pampered Ammon. He pampered this one. He pampered them all. Very lax. Adonijah violates basic principles of scriptures when we exalt ourselves without God's help. Psalm 75, verses 6 and 7, says this, For exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts the other. God exalts. Humble yourself before the Lord, and what happens? He will lift you up. He exalts you. We're not to exalt ourselves. We're not to raise ourselves up. I will be king. I want your seat. I want to be up there on stage. I want that seat. I can do it better than you. Well, you probably can. And if God exalts you to that point, more power to you. We let God lift us up. God is the one who exalts, and God is the one who puts down. We need to be ever careful when we come into that point. I got the feeling, though, when I saw this and I read this, and here we are, David's having a problem with another son. And I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. How long are the effects of sin? How long do the effects of sin go? Well, remember back in 2 Samuel 12? When David had finally confessed the sin about Bathsheba through the by- prophet Nathan. You are assured.
0: Our time with you is coming to an end today on a Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the Book of First Kings. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at AssureHopeRadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so that they're available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for a Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we love to meet you at Calvary Chapel, Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit assurehoperadio.com for times and directions. And if you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of First Kings. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from 1 Kings. But until then, we encourage you to read through the Bible on your own and tune in next time on A Sure Hope.